having head coach of the El Paso Rhinos. I like to call him. He should be the mayor of Hockeyville. That's what he is. He is the mayor of Hockeyville. Forget the president. He's the mayor. Because uh, UTEP is Hockeyville. We now know that. And uh, can't wait for that NHL exhibition game more than likely next season. I think that's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. So as we wait for Corey to call into the show, I do want to give all of you the opportunity to weigh into uh, the show at 880-5763. And I haven't even begun the high school news. How big was yesterday's show when you heard the news about uh, SISD allowing fans for football? Yeah, it was pretty wild just to kind of hear all the different takes from every district and uh, seeing their plans kind of unfold and, and uh, uh, kind of get us prepared for the high school football season, Steve, because you think about it, we're just uh, now we're just, uh, what, three days away until we get ready to kick off the season. So the fact that Socorro ISD and EPISD will both allow senior parents of the performing athletes and everybody else involved on the field to attend the games, I guess now at least we have a roadmap for what's going to come on Thursday and Friday. I think so too. And uh, something that obviously for um, high school fans, I know people are excited about and you can understand why. It makes uh, it makes a lot of sense since uh, you wonder, um, will there be others that are allowing fans? We already know uh, YISD's uh, thoughts on football. So I guess as of now, where it stands as of the 29th of September and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Adrian, but um, SISD will be allowing fans. So will YISD. I don't know about Kenya Teo, but I know for sure, right, as of now, EPISD is the only school district not allowing fans. So I believe that's where it is. is. Am I right about that? Is EPISD the only one with uh, no fans right now? No, no, football? no. So okay, here let me let me do a quick rundown. So uh, EPISD will have limited fans at the games. This week will be senior night, so it'll honor its senior athletes. So any uh, parents and guests of senior students participating in the game, like players, band members, dance and cheer ROTC, they'll be allowed to go to the game. So they'll get kind of passes. Same thing with Kenya uh, Tio. Same thing with uh, Socorro ISD. Although Kenya Tio will actually allow two family members per participant to go to the games. What about after this week for EPISD and after senior night? Will they allow fans starting next weekend? Yeah, so starting on October 8th, all games will be open to the public with limited capacity varying by stadium. Okay, so that's it. So nobody's going to have a no-fan policy uh, anymore. Everybody's opening up for fans. Yeah, that's correct for outdoor events. Still indoor, I think they're still trying to come up with all the details for that. I got it. All right. Now, as I mentioned, the mayor of Hockeyville is with us right now, Corey Herman, here to talk a little bit about what went down uh, in the NHL with the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs in the bubble in both uh, Toronto and, and, and Edmonton, and, and of course, uh, what uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to do by winning uh, the Stanley Cup uh, last night against the Dallas Stars. Hermie, good to have you back on the show. How are you? Good, good, Cap. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks for being on. And I'll start it off by asking you this. Since 2020 has been such a strange, surreal year for so many of us, is this the most playoff hockey you've watched um, probably uh, since you've been in El Paso? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, yeah, we watched a lot of playoff hockey, that was for sure. And, the, and you know what, though, though like, you got to hand it, like, even though without the fans and stuff like that, you really couldn't, like, I guess you could sometimes notice, but... Um, 
I thought like the intensity and the you know just the the way the guys played it was it was like you know your normal Stanley Cup playoff that was for sure it was awesome it, it felt was, like it was it, enjoyable it? yeah I'm with you on that I thought I thought the same thing I thought the uh, game uh, you know last night between the Lightning and the Stars uh, kind of fitting the Lightning have been so good but there are a lot of fans rooting for the Stars just because when a team that is not supposed to win games wins the way they did, starting in that Colorado comeback and then keeping it going through the Western Conference Finals and, and into that Stanley Cup, and obviously here with the Stars tie-in with uh, El Paso through the, the Rhinos and, and, and the city of Dallas, there's a lot of people hoping the Stars were going to win the Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, you know, like nobody gave the stars a chance and you know and and I can't remember how many overtime games there were in the six games but but uh you know and that and that's what the cool thing is about playoff hockey is that you know a lot of times the best team on paper doesn't win and and you know it's just it's a lot of you know hard work and grit and blocking shots and doing what it takes to win and and uh and you know the stars you know they you know, um, they almost did it. You know what I mean? I really think, like, once you get to a game seven, it's just like a coin flip about, you know, it's it's all about, like, bounces and luck and, and stuff like that. But, you know, the, the Stars, uh, you know, they almost did her. I know it. It's sometimes, but I always think that when I look at, you know, great Cinderella stories in the NHL, sometimes uh, all it takes is having a hot goalie and, and a team that believes in themselves and everything changes right now. And I think that's kind of what we had, what we had a chance to see uh, in this postseason as far as uh, Dallas is concerned. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of times where, um, you know, you have a goalie like either a backup or you're, you know, your first string goalie steps up and just has an unbelievable playoff run, and and that's who you kind of you know ride to the the Stanley Cup final, and and uh, but yeah, Dallas should be very proud of themselves about you know how how well they played in the playoffs, and and you know and and they were you know basically four periods away or you know two games away from winning the whole thing. They should be very proud. Exactly. Of themselves. Yep. Absolutely right. And. You know, the hardest part, I, I think, um, again, when you look at you know a team like the Stars is they've come so far, and now you want to see them uh, you know, just uh, figure out a way to, to, to finish it off uh, when they have that opportunity. But on the flip side, you know, Tampa Bay, um, over the last 20 years, they've only done this once before. So, you know, um, and for them, I'm sure this means a ton because, uh, you know, they, they had that great run years ago. But uh, it's been a long time since we've had a chance to see the Tampa Bay Lightning on top of the NHL world. Well, yeah, and, and Tampa Bay for the last, I think, three or four years have had by far the best team on paper. Like, they've been stacked from front to back. And, you know, and if you look at the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs just a year ago, you know, um, Tampa Bay got swept by, the, by Tortorella and the Blue Jackets, swept four games straight. They were the best team in the NHL, and I think they had – you know the best record ever, or, or some crazy thing, and and they got they got swept four games in a row by you know the eighth seed or whatever it was, and and uh, but it, you know it, it's that that's just how the NHL playoffs are, you know, and and you know this year, you know, and then, and then if you look at their team this year, like I don't think I don't, I'm not even sure how many games Stamkos played, like he he did play that one game in the final where he scored, but he didn't I don't think he played the entire game and and he was hurt, mm-hmm. you know, so. You know, if you you know you add him, you know he, they they won without Stamkos too. 
So he did, you know, you know, but uh, but it, you know that's the NHL playoffs, and that's why there's so much fun. Is that you know, like a lot of times the 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 top seeds always get knocked off, and and it's just uh, it's just awesome to watch. First time a team has won the cup without a captain dressed for the clinching game since. If you had to guess, have you heard this one already or not yet? No, not yet. But my guess would be the Montreal Canadiens. You're right, 77. The Montreal Canadiens in 1977. So that's how far we have to go back here. we got to go back 43 years, Hermie. Wow. Wow. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's a long time. It really is. And now, here's the crazy thing. The NHL has a tentative starting date for next season, December the 1st. And yet, uh, Gary Bettman said that a late December or January start is possible. So you kind of wonder that the NHL is not going to get back to their normal schedule for a while. And yet, you know what impressed me the most about this bubble system that the NHL put in place uh, in Toronto and Edmonton? How about this? 31,000-plus tests over the time that they were in the bubble. Zero. Zero positive coronavirus cases reported among players, coaches, and staff inside the bubble. Wow. So you, you kind of think, I bet, I bet you, you know, if they start December 1st or January 1st, you can, I, I would have to think that they would do the bubble again. What do you, you what do think? You think so. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. I mean, when, you, when you've had the kind of success they've had, they might have to start in the bubble and then once they wait for a vaccine to come out, then they can get themselves out. But I'm with you. Why would you, if you're so successful with that kind of a system and you can handle all those teams, why would you change that formula? Why not do the same thing in a couple of months? The difference is, though, is that it's so hard on the families because they're without their, you know, without their loved ones for so long while they're in the bubble. So you're asking a lot of the players to jump back in again and isolate from really the outside world the way they did this time around. Yeah, you know, and, and honestly, like, yeah, you're completely right, and that's probably one of the one of the biggest reasons. And you know, like, you know, like with with the way they're doing seating now, with with uh, with different sports, like with the pod seating and different things like that. You know, they might be trying to figure out a plan to you know to be basically for the, the NHL teams to you know have some fans in the in the arena and stuff like that because. You know, like you can't see. I can't see like you know the NHL isn't like the isn't like Major League Baseball or like the NFL or even you know I I would say of the four or even you know the NBA. Like I really think that the NHL, you know, the owners need fans to help you know to help with their you know their overall budget. So I think that they'd probably be coming up with a plan to to do something where they can have at least some fans or or at least play at home or you know something. I think so, too. More with Corey Herman as we continue on Sports Talk. But first, uh, let's get back to it right now. We've got Adrian standing by with this uh, bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. As we keep things moving, Corey Herman with us, uh, the head coach of the El Paso Rhinos. We are recapping the uh, NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, the big win from the Lightning. And I've got a feeling a lot of people are going to be uh, looking back at this. They'll remember this cup because of COVID and and the bubble and everything else that happened. And ultimately, um, you know, this will be one of those that uh, I don't think a lot of uh, hockey fans are going to forget. You agree? 
Oh, no, absolutely, I agree, because it, uh, um, you know, it, uh, you know, just, just because, like, it's it's pretty difficult to, uh, um, you know, to be in the bubble, be away from your family, just, you know, like, play without fans, you know, um, they probably had limited practice, most of their practices are, you know, our video practices, you know, like we're doing videos. So, yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, a lot of players and, you know, also a lot of fans are, are going to for sure remember this one. I agree with you. Hey, meanwhile, uh, on Friday you released your home schedule for the upcoming season. It starts, uh, the home schedule starts November 20th through the 21st against the Oklahoma City Hockey Club. Then uh, you're going to play Louisiana, Texas, Mid-Cities, um, another Texas club, Atlanta. The, the, you'll play the Roadrunners for the second time at home, and then you'll wrap it up uh, with the Oklahoma City Hockey Club um, on March the 5th through the 6th. So I noticed that the end of the schedule is a little later, but you know what? With uh, the situation we're all dealing with with COVID, I, I figured that things would probably be pushed back uh, about a month or so. Yeah, it, it, uh, you know, it, it got pushed push back a little bit and and uh you know just with uh, like the scheduling and just you know just a bunch of stuff but you know we're super excited that you know we're playing hockey you know um the players are going to report here in a couple weeks and uh um you know it's going to be it's it's going to be awesome like we we uh we're thankful that you know we're, we're able to play this season and and uh you know we're going to take it like every other season it's going to be like our first time in this in this league and and um you know, we kind of like we're kind of we're we're not so much like you know I, I guess we're we're going for it absolutely every year we try and win the whole thing, but you kind of look at you look at the team a little bit different to where you know we have to build a team we're we're basically building a foundation for next season. So you know a lot of these players that are playing this season we're basically developing them you know um, you know um, getting them ready to play in the North American Hockey League next year. And, you know, like our, our North American 3 Hockey League team is always going to be a place where we can develop guys and get them ready to play in the North American League. You know, we, we're, you know, we're going to be younger this year, but we're still going we're, we're to go for it. And, you know, every year we want to win. Um, but, we, we, you know, we're going to be a lot younger this year than, than in years past. And, and you know, the, the biggest reason is is because, you know, we're building that foundation for, for, uh, for 21-22 when we're – playing in the North American Hockey League. So when you say you're going to be a lot younger, do you think that you're, you're essentially going after players that are a year or two younger than a lot of the players you bring in because of that developmental season? Yeah, like I think our average, I think our average age will be a year to two years younger than normal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, um, you know, just, just because of, you know, we, we want to, to develop players and, and get them ready for, you know, the following season. I understand. It makes a lot of sense. Corey Herman with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue uh, with the program. So you've got two months till the start of the home campaign. You actually open up October 30th and 31st at Oklahoma City. Then you'll play the following weekend against the Mid-Cities Junior Stars. Is that in the uh, DFW area? Yeah, that's that's in, uh, I think it's in, uh, their arena's in Euless, Euless, Texas. Okay. Yeah. Makes so, sense. Uh, and then uh, uh, the Texas Roadrunners, they're, they're, they play at a college station. 
Do you expect the arena's roof and the insulation to be complete by the Friday, November 20th uh, home opener? Absolutely. We'll be, we'll, That's great. The, the, the roofing guys have been working nonstop, seven days a week. Um, they pretty much got the outside of the roof all sealed up and done already, and they uh, started working on, on the inside, um, I think it was on Saturday, um, they started working on the inside. The only part that, you know, when we do get the ice in, um, because, you know, obviously, like, inside the arena with a sand floor and with our pipes being in the sand, you know, they can't get into the arena until we get the ice put in. Um, so that that's kind of what will, you know, but it, it'll be done by uh, November 20th, no no problem. And, the, you know, every all the other things, like, we're completely renovating the bathrooms, um, you know, there'll be brand new bathrooms in the arena. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to look really, really good in there. And, and also all the, all the lighting, all the lighting is getting taken out and it's going to be completely LED lighting. So the, the arena will be a lot brighter. It'll look a lot, you know, it'll look great in there. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited. It's going to look good. Uh, it sounds like it's going to look amazing. So you're waiting until the roof is completed, uh, at least the insulation on the inside before you lay the ice down. Oh, no, no, pardon me. Like, um, we have to get the ice in. So when we put the ice in, that's when they can go in and, and finish with the insulation, ah. with the finish the insulation on top of the ice surface because they can't get the lift in because of the sand because the, the lift will sink too much into the, to, to damage the pipes. So we got to get the ice in before they can get right above the arena done. But everything around it will be done, you know, in plenty of time. It'll probably be done, honestly, uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. When do you expect to have the ice in by? Um, we'll, we'll probably have the ice in here, you know, late October, mid to late October. Okay, so we're still a few weeks away. So a little bit of a later start than normal, but you can't have public skating. There's a lot of things you can't, that you're not doing because of COVID. So you could take a little more time on this uh, to get it in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that, you know, everybody's safe and, and you know, when we're we're making sure everybody's safe and, and yeah, it's going to take a little bit, but, uh, you know, we're, we're thankful that, that we're, you know, we can open the arena and that, we're, you know, the arena is going to be open and, you know, there's going to be skating, there's going to be youth hockey, there's going to be, you know, rhino hockey. So we're, we're, we're excited and very thankful for that. And as far as fans go, since you're a couple of months away, should we expect an announcement uh, in the weeks leading up to the season? Yeah, we'll, we're hopeful that we will be able to have some fans in there. And uh, but for sure we're going to have that that big outdoor, you know, drive up fan fest. So for sure we're going to be having that. But we're we're hoping to have some fans in the building as well. Are we still expecting the NHL preseason game to arrive uh, next year? Yeah, actually, we um, that we we started um, you know doing the conference and the Zoom calls and stuff with them, and and uh, they haven't completely figured it out yet, but. You know, I would. You know, they're still kind of trying to figure out like when their next their next season is going to be. So, um, I, I would say in the next couple of weeks we will figure out exactly when that will be. So, is there a chance that the exhibition game could come sooner than expected, especially if the renovations for the rink are done by late November and the NHL season starts either in December or January? Could that be possible, or do you think it will most likely be twenty twenty one when we're when we're having uh, the hockey game? Uh, I well, uh, you mean twenty one, twenty two? Uh twenty. Uh, yeah, because we're no, in like late, now. late, late twenty twenty one. So in other words, late twenty twenty one. Right. Um, 
I, I would. I, I I can't see. I can't see. Um, I really can't see the NHL have many preseason games. You know, if, when they start up this quick. So if if you know, in, if I I would say, you know, and I'm not 100 percent sure, but I would say it wouldn't be till the following season. You know what I mean? Makes till, till yeah. Twenty. I guess it would be twenty one. Yeah, twenty one twenty two season. Yeah, right. yeah. The 21-22 season. I got you. Yeah. All right. Listen, yeah. terrific stuff. Thank you for joining us. Always great to hear from you. And a great analysis talking uh, hockey with you. And look forward to the next time we get you back as we get closer to the start of the Rhino season. No, absolutely. And thanks for having me. You bet. He's Corey Herman, folks, joining us here on Sports Talk. Adrian Ochoa is next. KVIA News. And then we'll come back with more in a moment. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Hour two uh, of three is underway. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. Sports Talk here. He's Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Bernie Olivas is joining us to begin our second of three as we have another Tony the Tiger Sunbowl watch uh, to deliver for you. But, Bernie, uh, unlike uh, the previous weeks in our conversation together, we now know that uh, Pac-12 uh, and ACC is on again for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. And, you know, you've told us uh, throughout the last few weeks that, hey, this bowl game is happening. We're going to figure it out one way or another. Um, did you have a little bit of an idea what could be coming uh, prior to that announcement? Well, I kind of knew, you know, Obviously, as, as long as the Big Ten was out, I didn't think the Pac-12 would be in. But I think as soon as the Pac, as the Big, uh, the Big Ten announced, I was pretty sure that the Pac-12 was going to follow. That's what we said last week. And sure enough, uh, a couple few days later, last Thursday, they went ahead and announced that they were all they are going to play. They're going to play a seven-game schedule uh, beginning the first week of October. So uh, we're excited. That uh, takes the burden of us finding an opponent to play against the ACC on December 31st. It makes us. Uh, Kind of pretty happy, and we're you know, like so we've been planning to have a game all along anyway, uh, and and this kind of solidifies that. That takes that burden off of our shoulders, and now we'll continue to continue to prepare for an ACC Pac-12 matchup, which is uh, basically what what we signed up for a few years back. So, so uh, we're extremely happy, and uh, again, I wish uh, the only thing that's holding us back now is how many how many people are we going to be allowed in the stadium, and uh, other than that. Uh, we're going to have a Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl game. Well, I think by the time we get to uh, December 31st, which is uh, just over three months from now, we'll hopefully have a good answer to that question you just posed for us. And, you know, more than anything else, uh, a chance uh, for fans to come and, and uh, watch uh, a, a football game that they're so used to watching. And, um, you know, I'm just happy that at least right now all things are go as far as, you know, all five power, uh, power five leagues, uh, the bowl games. I mean, it's good news considering where we were a few months ago. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's great news. And again, uh, I was reading an article today that Texas is one of the states whose, uh, whose number of uh, COVID-19 cases is dropping. And that's always good. That's great news. And maybe... If everybody continues to to be vigilant and how they and, and, and how they how they behave, uh, maybe they'll let us go to seventy five percent rather than fifty percent of the stadium. So uh, things are looking good right now. And again, uh, we saw what's happening in the NFL uh, with with teams shutting down because they, because of so many players getting you know uh, testing positive. So 
anything can happen, but right now everything is good, and uh, we're looking forward to having a football game in December. I know you are, and we're excited about that as well. Um, meanwhile, since Pac-12 games haven't started yet, but ACC games have been played, there's some really good stories uh, coming out of the ACC through the first uh, four weeks of the season. And when you look at it specifically, you could start with the undefeated teams. Miami is 3-0, and um, you know, and that's big. Um, Pittsburgh is 3-0. and And then you go down the list, and, uh, of course, you've got Clemson, Boston College. Um, you know, Notre Dame is still uh, undefeated, even though they didn't play last week. And then uh, Virginia Tech finally got their first game of the season underway, and they beat up on North Carolina State. So some some pretty good storylines out of the ACC here early on. You know, of the, of the 15 teams on the ACC, only only three teams have not won a, a game, and a couple of them surprised me. Florida State being 0-2 surprises me a little bit. You know, and Duke, after they played a, a pretty good game against Notre Dame in their opener, they've kind of fallen Falling on a hard time. They're 0-3. That's the only team in the ACC that has three games. But everybody else has won at least as as already in the win column. Uh, and, again, some exciting football. It kind of makes it kind of good for us and bad for us. We don't know who we're going to get. And I don't, like I said, it hasn't been officially announced as to how they're going to select teams to go to the bowl games. But, but as long as everybody keeps winning, it's going to be good for us. And, uh, again, the Pac-12, I'm having a, a Zoom meeting with uh, the Pac-12 and all the all our bowl partners, and hopefully they are going to now tell us tomorrow uh, how we're going to how the teams for the bowls are going to be selected, being that they're only going to play a seven-game schedule. So uh, either way, uh, it, it, it's still exciting. But you're right, a lot of good stories coming out of the out of the ACC. Miami, not a huge surprise. The biggest surprise to me is Florida State being 0-2 because I thought they were going to be pretty good this year. And there's, you know, like I said, they've only played two games. There's a lot of football games to be played. They played a pretty good schedule, so so we'll see. You know, Florida State losing to Miami, number twelve Miami, is not the worst thing that can happen to you. But uh, they're still, they still have uh, a lot of games to play, and I think in the, at the end of the day, they're going to be all right. Their record's going to be I, all right. So yeah, you're right. A lot of good stories coming out of ACC, and just just uh, waiting for the Pac-12 to join the party, and uh, and let's get it on. That's right. Oh, by the way, I went seven out of nine last week because the Notre Dame Wake Forest game was postponed, so that didn't count. But I lost on um, Louisville over Pitt. Um, I, 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 you know, didn't uh, I, I? I didn't believe in the Panthers. I should have because they're now perfect. And Louisville lost, uh, you know, for the first time. And then I also had Georgia Tech on the road against Syracuse and lost that one. Other than that, I had them all, including. Uh, UTEP, Louisiana, Monroe, which I figured was going to be my game to win this thing because I figured nobody would pick UTEP. And uh, that was just a, a game that I was looking forward to. But, Bernie, still, I'm happy 7 out of 9. But as always, when I look at the leaders on this thing, you've got people picking perfect. Frank Trotty went 9 for 9, which really is pretty remarkable when you think about it. And he wasn't alone. There were uh, four of them that picked perfect this week. Well, again, it it kind of makes it. I don't know. To me, it makes it a little easier when you don't when you only have a certain a, a conference, and we're picking all the conference games. Most of the time, we wouldn't. You know, we when we have the, you know the Pac-12 like we will get, we'll try to pick the, the toughest teams to pick to make it a little bit harder on everybody. But any way you look at it, going ten for nine for nine is pretty good. Uh, it's very good. Uh, 
I had not. I had looked at the at the at the games, you know, from the beginning of the year, and but I hadn't played. Well, I played this year. I mean, this week, should I say? And uh, we'll see how I do this weekend. But of course, I uh, sometimes go the, the other way. But I, I think I made some pretty good picks this week. So we'll see. Next Tuesday, we'll compare how you and I did against each other, and now how we did against everybody else. There's some tough picks this week, by the way. I'm going to tell you, it yeah, is not. Wouldn't. It is not easy, especially the one game that I'm still trying to gather is Navy and Air Force uh, because that's the Air Force Falcons' first game of the season. Navy's already played twice. That's exactly right, and maybe that's why I went with Navy. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you who I went with. I went with for that reason, for no other reason except that they've already got a couple of games under their belt and Air Force is, is going to start. You know, I don't think, I don't think there's been a lot of – a game time situation during practice and probably not as much hitting as you normally would. So uh, I, I, I kind of went with Navy for that reason and that reason alone. Uh, if it makes you feel better, I went with Navy too. So we're, we're, we're in that together. But I like uh, this year with the uh, first couple of weeks before you get to really pack 12 games, it's fun how you pick the games on the uh, Boss Chicken Sun Bowl Challenge outside of the ACC because you got to fill it up somehow with these 10 games. And it's fun to see some of the games you guys choose. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 it's different. Uh, even though you know we do like to stay with our conference partners in in, in, in uh, choosing these games, and because uh, Jay Pritchard and Eddie Morelos, uh, they do a great job. They come and give me the list, and I'll say okay or now nah, let's change this one. But most of the time, they they come up with some pretty good games, and it's uh, you know they do they do a good job in in managing this contest. So uh, kudos to, to Jay and to, and to Eddie for this one. It's pretty good, and it's it's kind of fun. And now I'm 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 playing it now, so. Uh, we'll see how it works out. There's some games weeks, I'm really excited for, by the way, Bernie. This week for the ACC. We'll be back to the Pac-12 and the, and the ACC again. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's going to be fun to watch a couple of games this week. I mean, Duke has a chance to try to win their first game of the season, but it's not going to be easy since Virginia Tech is coming to town. Um, same thing goes for Florida State. You hope they could beat Jacksonville State and and get themselves uh, off to a winning, you know, get their get their first win of the season. But I think the North Carolina Boston College game, one thirty Saturday on ABC, has got a chance to be a fun one. I think so too. Uh, that should be. That should be a lot of fun. Of course, the other ones, I think NC State and Pittsburgh are going to be good. Uh, I don't know. I just have a feeling that NC State is going to put up a good fight. Pitt's very good. They were here a couple of years ago, and, you know, their coach is great. I like what he was doing. I think, uh, I think they're there for real. But NC State's not bad either. So I, 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 that's a good, a good game, even though I still think I went with Pitt because they are playing at Pitt. But you're right, that North Carolina-Boston College game should be, should be all right. Florida State's got to be Jacksonville State, or, or then they're they're not going to be as good as I thought they were going to be. And at Virginia Tech Duke game, you know I'm surprised that Duke is 0 3. I really am, uh, and I, I think I picked them this week. And of course, you just can't go against uh, you can't go against number one Clemson until somebody until somebody beats them. So those those are my picks on the ACC, and we'll see what happens there. All right, good stuff. Hey, by the way, um, a few weeks ago you came on the show and uh, you were talking about um, the Oscar Leeser Hyundai of El Paso Sun Bowl f- uh, virtual parade. Let's talk a little bit more about this because I think it's real interesting. And you guys are doing something uh, on Thanksgiving morning that will continue the tradition, just do it a little differently than you have in the past. 
Actually, we're going to do it a lot before Thanksgiving morning. Everybody's going to see it on Thanksgiving morning, but yes. Uh, in order to in, in keeping with our regulations and, and keeping social distance distancing, obviously we're not a, we wouldn't be able to do that down Montana Street like they've done for 84 years. So what we're doing is that we are going in with you know in partnership with uh, KTSM, you know Channel Nine, we are videotaping everybody prior prior to Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to do this in October. We've already done we've already done some videotaping at the locations of the people that are going to be in the parade. And then KTSM is going to do their going to do their work, and they are going to edit all the videos and make it look like and make it look like a parade that's going down the street. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to have pretty much, you know, I think we're up to 18 floats. We're going to have you know bands. We're going to have you know the you know the equesters like the sheriff's posse. You know, we'll honor our our, our frontliners and our first responders just like we do. We're going to have Fort Bliss like we always do. And we're going to videotape them, you know, on site where they are. Uh, and uh, and KTSM, I know, will do a tremendous job of putting it together. And then they're going to broadcast it on Thanksgiving morning like they always do. Uh, it should be fun. That should be the first parade ever done in this in this manner. And we're kind of excited. Uh, it's turning into a little bit more work than, uh, you know, than, well, we knew it was going to be a little work, but, you know, having to go, we're going to have about, uh, oh, I would say 50 to 60 units. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to eliminate some of the ones, you know, so maybe some car units and stuff. But we still, we still want to have the bands. We want to have the floats. We want to have uh, our uh, our distinguished uh, people from El Paso. Uh, we haven't named a grand marshal yet, but we will. And, uh, again, it's, it's going to be fun. And, of course, the uh, First thanks goes out to Oscar Leeser because uh, you know this was kind of a you know he's not they're not you're not going to have 250 thousand people watching the parade go down Montana Street, but I think we're going to have more than a million watching it on TV and streaming live all over the country, so uh, it can be streamed uh, on you know on the website all over the place. So I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to it. But on on Thanksgiving morning, on television, hopefully it's going to look just like it would be if you were standing on Montana Street coming down the street. That's very cool. I love that idea, and I think that the the virtual parade is going to be a lot of fun and give uh, El Pasoans an opportunity to enjoy something completely different. I hope you're the first uh, I hope you're the first virtual parade in the country. I don't know if somebody's already done this before, but maybe not to the extent you're going to be doing it. Well, I I will say that Macy's parade announced just last week or the week before that they were going to go up, up partly virtual as well. and uh, But we were the first ones to announce it. But, they, you know, and, of course, they go on at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then we follow them uh, at 10 o'clock. So they'll probably be the first ones to be broadcast. But we were the first ones to bring us, bring this up as an idea, uh, even though they announced uh, it's last week, the week before, that they were going to go, that they were going to try to go virtual as well. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do theirs, but I know how they're going to do theirs, but I know how we're doing ours, and, it's, it's 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 turning into a lot of fun. Uh, one of the fun things one of the fun things that we've done is that uh, you know because we have we've lost most of our events and uh, we didn't select a a sun court this year because there would have been no events for them to preside over or, or to host or anything. So we still are going to have a sun court float in the parade, but what we've done is we've gone and gotten a lot of past sun queens to ride in the float 
So we have Sun, Queen, uh, Sun Queens from the 1990s and, of course, from the 2000s, from the 2010s. And I'm hoping to get one from a Sun Queen from the 2000s, from the 1960s. So, uh, again, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I've given them a call. They're excited about having being able to wear their crowns and their sashes in a parade again, even though it's going to be virtual. So, uh, you know, Joe Dabak, our special events director, who, who kind of puts the parade together, is doing a tremendous job and having some great ideas of uh, how to make this thing happen. So, uh, again, we're kind of excited for the, you know, for Oscar Lee's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, Bernie, will there be a Sun Bowl All-America Golf Classic with Marathon this year? Uh, we haven't announced that yet, but no. I, I, I'll tell you that uh, it, it will be postponed this year. Uh, again, uh, it would be very hard to get individuals, to, I think, to come to El Paso, I think. And with yeah. everything going on, and we didn't know what, you know, we didn't know exactly what everything was, uh, you know, you know what was happening. And since a lot of the conferences, since all the golfers come from colleges, and a lot of the conferences postponed all their, you know, some of their fall uh, sports to the spring, we didn't think we could get a, a large enough field to have the tournament. So we're not going to have it, even though we have not officially announced that yet. Okay, well, that makes sense. I just was looking at the events that you have normally planned, and that one obviously is coming. It would be coming up in less than two months. So, uh, so the West Sardon yeah. Haskins basketball tournament will continue to be played. Uh, we, you know, we do have confirmation from all the schools that they, that, they will, that they will be playing. So that will still be going on. The parade will still be going on. The game will still be going on. So as of right now, uh, those three events are on. And we are, you know, and we are planning on having the basketball skills camp uh, nice. with, you know, with the visiting coaches uh, doing some uh, doing some clinics, probably virtually as well. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying as best as we can to, to give the community the events that they're, they're used to. And uh, and hopefully we can we can pull off the, the, the skills camp uh, somehow virtually so that uh, we, we still follow the, you know, the rules, and regulations that have been set down by our, our leaders. Since you're going to have all those past queens on the float uh, for the virtual parade, uh, I hope you get a chance to bring them back for the uh, basketball game and the football game because I think it'd be great uh, this year to to maybe salute all the great queens we've had over the years and, and let them uh, you know have a have an opportunity like that. Well, that's a, that's a great idea, Steve. See, you just gave me an idea as well. Uh, of course, there's a lot of some queens. You know, we can only put about twelve, twelve to fifteen on the float because of the size of the float. But for basketball and football. We might uh, we could put a, a lot more of them, and we have actually have uh, some of the queens that are going to be in the parade actually coming in from out of town just to do this. So wow, uh, it's, uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun talking to talking to some of the past queens, and they were extremely excited that we're doing this. So uh, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Fantastic, folks! Uh, for more information, you can just go online sunbowl.org, uh, Especially play the Boss Chicken Sunbowl Challenge. That's always a lot of fun as well. And uh, join us every single Tuesday at five for the Tony the Tiger Sunbowl Watch. Well, I'll tell you, I'm excited for the virtual parade. I'm thrilled that the Pac-12 ACC matchup is back on again, which it really was never off, but it was it was just on hold, and now it's uh, it's it's official. And more than anything, uh, we'll get the opportunity to keep talking uh, each week and get us closer and closer to the big one, Bernie. Absolutely. In a couple of weeks, we'll be talking Pac-12 results and, and schedules. And, again, uh, don't know who it's going to be, but we are going to have 
uh, two pretty good, you know, pretty good uh, football teams here playing in the, in the Tony Tiger Sun Bowl, December 31st, high noon. Fantastic. We're looking forward to it, Bernie. Until next week, thanks as always for the time. We appreciate the insight. Hey, thanks a lot, Steve. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. You bet. Hey. From Bernie Olivas over to Charlie One, let's get to traffic and then your phone calls and comments as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. It's the start of hour number three here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Steve Kaplowitz along with Adrian Broadus. And, uh, man, it's so exciting to have Jason Fitz back with us. One half of Spain and Fitz, which uh, airs live from 5 to 7 on ESPN Radio. Although, it's going to be a little different over the next few weeks. Major League Baseball has something to say. In fact, today is the start of the postseason. And, Fitz, uh, I'll tell you, it's crazy because uh, it is baseball galore. Lore. It almost reminds me of what we were able to get with the um, bubbles for both the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs when they began, and now baseball's taking a page out of that handbook and giving us uh, a ton of games that are beginning here today. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great analogy, and I'll even go one deeper. I feel like a lot of this feels a little like the first couple of days of March Madness where there's just so much going on. You're looking everywhere, and you're, you're hoping for some level of chaos, and that's what it feels like. Major League Baseball has really been able to capitalize on. I mean, I have to say, as much as this was a rocky beginning for them with all the COVID issues they were having, they managed to normalize it. They managed to figure it out. And now because of the way the schedule is packed, I mean, it's rare that you feel like it's, it's almost like a early games on football Sunday where you're looking around trying to figure out which game to watch and, and what to keep an eye on. And, and really, it's a huge win for Major League Baseball that gets to capitalize on the extra excitement that just naturally comes with playoff baseball but then we get sort of the, the souped-up, no pun intended, the steroid version of it, as it's just all sorts of jacked up with this many games. No doubt. And as we get deeper into the playoffs, they're going to go into a bubble just like we saw with the NBA and the NHL. I think it's a good move. It'd be too difficult to handle a bubble uh, immediately with all these games, but I definitely think that uh, the bubble for the championship series and the World Series makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I, I love every ounce of it. And frankly, I hope that the NFL will take a page out of it at some point as they start to look towards the playoffs and the Super Bowl. I mean, the one thing you don't want is, especially when we've seen some issues with false positive tests and then just life in general, what you don't want is to wake up, you know, going into the World Series and find out that your entire rotation is going to be different because one of your stars has tested positive. So, putting everybody in a bubble going into the World Series, uh, going into the uh, deep into the playoffs in general, I think makes a lot of sense because what you're trying to do is preserve the, the most important time for the sport when you need the stars the most. Now, do you have a dog in the fight uh, this postseason, or are you just rooting for some really good games? I just root for really good games, but since I work with Sarah, and Sarah is obviously uh, all in on the Cubs, she's made it apparent that I now am all in on the Cubs. So... You know, I think that's a smart move by me. Uh, there's no point in rooting against Sarah Spain. Uh, that would not make uh, life easy from 7 to 9 most nights on the ESPN radio. So I'll go in uh, all in on the Cubs, but I don't really have a dog. Like, one of my favorite things about certain sports, like, you know, I, I work so much in college football, and college football fans constantly ask me who my favorite team is. It's great that I don't have one because I genuinely spend my Saturdays sitting back rooting for total chaos and whatever's going to make people the most fired up. So, it's fun as opposed to Sundays when I sit there early in the morning, I wake up obsessed over what my, uh, what my beloved Raiders are going to do. So, you know, it, it's much more relaxing for me just to sit back and watch. 
You see, I thought you were going to go White Sox. That way you stay in Chicago and you don't have to deal with Sarah until potentially a World Series, and then you've got the whole city covered. That's not a bad idea, but I still feel like it's a little contrarian. One fun thing for me is I used to be very anti-Oakland A's, and that surprised people because I was an Oakland Raiders fan my whole life. But the real reason for that was because the Raiders have to play, uh, had to at the time, play on that awful baseball diamond in the middle of a football field. So the earlier the A's season ended, the better for me as a Raiders fan. Now that the Raiders are in a new stadium, I don't even have a dog in that fight. So, you know, I feel like I can finally, maybe I owe it to the A's to give them a little love too. Jason Fitz with us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. Now, you alluded to the NFL earlier and uh, the story that broke this morning regarding the Tennessee Titans having to close their facilities. The Vikings did it as well after three Titans players and some staff members uh, tested positive for the coronavirus. Look, to me, this was a matter of time, especially after what happened in baseball early on with the Cardinals and the Marlins and some of the other teams, the, even the Mets that, that saw some games uh, uh postponed and rescheduled uh, but in the NFL you can't play a seven inning doubleheader you can't do that so it's really a much tougher situation because you get one bye week you got to hope that if you can't if a game is postponed you can reschedule turn that by and now the NFL is going to have to really deal with what baseball uh, had to uh, had to handle in a pretty serious level with what went down with the Titans this morning yeah, and, you know, as much as people will sort of laugh because it's the Titans and not, you know, the Patriots or, you know, one of the big market teams, the Titans don't tend to get as much attention. This is a pretty substantial hit for the league because the Titans are 3-0 and right now and have a, a, a very legitimate shot at winning their division. So all of these games are going to matter. And you start talking about the inevitability of, of cancellations. I think the NFL put themselves sort of into a situation where canceling becomes more realistic than postponing for many of these teams that may have to look at shifting things around. And it's one of the biggest reasons I'm surprised that the NFL didn't give themselves, at least during the course of the schedule this year, a couple of different weeks where nobody plays, a couple of different open dates. And, hey, if we got to play that weekend, it gives us a chance to make up a game. They could have given themselves wiggle room. They chose not to. And now the Titans become a, you know, a reminder that not every city's handling it. I mean, in the city of Nashville today, the mayor has recommended lifting all restrictions on large gatherings and reopening everything as normal. So even as the Titans are uh, the first team to have a COVID-19 issue, the city itself is sort of saying, all right, we're just going to live in it and deal with it. So, you know, what's going to make all of that go away? It's very difficult when every single municipality can handle it their own way to find common ground on it. I think what's also really interesting is that if the facilities are going to be closed until Saturday, but the NFL wants to play the game in Nashville Sunday against the Steelers and maybe, um, you know, worst case Monday or reschedule for the bye week, they're not having a lot of time to prepare. You think about it, today's Tuesday, and ultimately these are the practices, the game plans, and now all of a sudden they got to go back to the Zoom meetings again, and, and you wonder the kind of disadvantage that the Titans could have having very little preparation for the Steelers if that game is is played over the weekend. Yeah, that's a great point, and it's a key point because the Titans, as I just mentioned, while they're 3-0, and they have one of, if not the, it might be the lowest point differential in the entire NFL right now, and they've beaten what I think is going to turn out to be three lousy football teams. So uh, even though they're 3-0, and you know, it, it feels like everybody was consumed last week with why the Bears were a house of cards at 2-0. I think, frankly, the Titans are doing the same thing. They're winning games that – uh, they should have won much easier, and things haven't looked good. If you've watched the Titans on tape, their defense has been 
particularly god-awful. It's hard to fix that in a Zoom meeting. So I think it really puts the, the Titans behind going against the Steelers team that is absolutely stacked and loaded. So I think Pittsburgh's going to win and win big. So, you know, you're right that there's an actual implication on the field to all of this that, that's going to hurt them. You can follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Fitz and check out his show 5 to 7 here in El Paso with Sarah Spain on ESPN Radio. It's called Spain and Fitz as we continue our weekly chat. All right, a lot of undefeated teams still left in the NFL. You mentioned Tennessee, but the two that would obviously be the biggest surprise, Buffalo and the Chicago Bears. And as much as we could say the Bills are a surprise, they had some good moments last year and and got people excited. I, I did not see this coming with Chicago early on. Did you? No, I'm I'm pretty surprised by it. And the fact that Chicago just as easily could be one and two right now, and I know we say that all the time, but they've had some pretty crazy wins out of the early portion of the season. It re- really, it was the Lions lining and, you know, the Falcons falconing, right? You know, but, hey, to their benefit. And Nick Foles came in, and uh, two things. One, looked crisp, looked definitive, uh, looked like he knew where he wanted to go with the ball, which I thought was amazing. But two, Looked just like Tim McMahon, like wearing the nine with the one glove on the left hand and the visor with the tint on it. Like, I was all in on Nick Foles getting in and looking that way. So, suddenly I find myself in love with it. But uh, the, the Bears are a talented team. I just I didn't expect them to be as good as they are early on. So, we'll see if they can ride it out. It's going to take consistency at the quarterback position. But that's what everybody's job is depending on. Wouldn't you lean to Foles? He's got the experience. He's got the ring. And nobody really, even the biggest Bears fans out there, are, are sold that Mitch Trubisky is the answer despite what the team has invested in him. Yeah, I'd, I'd be all in on Foles. I was shocked he didn't get the job to begin with. I mean, the reason they ate up that contract, and I mean, they're paying him a silly amount of money to come in there because they didn't wait till he hit free agency, you know. So they bring in Foles from Jacksonville, and they put themselves in a situation where they got to pay him a ton of money. Uh, that to me was because he was going to be the starter. So I, I think, you know, the front office has had to be some sort of a situation where the front office that, that drafted Trubisky didn't want to be held responsible for it. And the coaching staff brought in a Foles that knows their offense and knows how to play in that offense. So I think Foles is going to have success with Matt Nagy and, and knowing that system as well as he does. I think it's going to be a good fit. I personally would not go back to Mitch for any reason moving forward. I'm with you on that one. All right, let's flip it around and talk about the winless teams right now. Uh, the Vikings are, are winless. The Falcons are winless. Uh, you know, some of the clubs like the Broncos and Jets and Bengals are expected. I didn't think the Texans would come out of the gate 0-3 right now. Of, of all the winless teams out there, especially the teams that are, that are solid but are winless, who are you most concerned about right now? Well, you know, I'm shocked by the Falcons. I'm genuinely shocked by the Falcons. And, and I, there's a level of the way they played the back half of last season. They were very good, and I picked them as a team I thought could make the playoffs this year. They've got the talent all the way across the board. They have found a way to lose, and that seeps into the culture. So I'm not sure that Dan Quinn can hold on to his job, not because I, I think Quinn can coach. I just I don't know how you change what's happening right now and the feeling that those guys have on the sidelines is palpable. You can tell in the fourth quarter they know that they're going to find a way to blow it. So. You know, for me, the, the fact that they're sitting at 0-3 is the biggest surprise of the early portion of the season by far. 
I hear you. Although the Vikings, you know, they were in that shootout early with the Packers and they get blown out by the Colts and lose a, a, a just a heartbreaker to the Titans that we talked about earlier, 31-30. Uh, they've got a tough schedule, too, coming up. Texans on the road, um, which, again, could be canceled or postponed this week because they played the Titans and right now are also closing their facilities. Then they got to go to Seattle and play them on the road before coming home with Atlanta and at Green Bay. So that's a, that's a real tough stretch right now for a Viking team that you know is used to being uh, at the top of this division and not at the bottom. Yeah, and you know, I mean, all of this is going to be the, the question they're going to have to answer repeatedly is, you know, what were they thinking with Kirk Cousins, right? Because for everybody that's looking at Kirk Cousins saying, "Oh dear God, how did we get here?" Let's at least acknowledge the fact that not only do they have to pay Kirk this year, but if they try to get out of that contract next year, I think it's around forty-two million dollars as their dead cap hit. So. Ain't going anywhere with that for, you know, at least the foreseeable future. So, you know, I, I think the Vikings have found they, they're going to find themselves having a rough go of it without an easy solution. And by the way, we went through all that. I mean, I know it's 0-2-1, but the panic meter for the Eagles is just beyond high, too. So I think, you know, you can look across the NFC. I thought the NFC would be great. I didn't think that the Eagles, I didn't think the Vikings, you know, I didn't think the Falcons. Those are three teams that I thought could be fighting for playoffs, and instead, they look like they could be fighting for top three, four draft picks. Let's wrap it up with the NBA Finals, which also uh, begins this week. Who do you like and how many games do you think it goes? I like the Lakers in the Finals because, frankly, it's the year of the dynamic duo. And if we spent, I, I feel disingenuous spending all summer saying it's the year of the dynamic duo, getting this far, and then not acknowledging that the best dynamic duo is still in the bubble, still in the playoffs. It's AD and LeBron. But I will say that, it's at least concerning to me that they've had effort issues in the bubble at different times. The fact is Miami doesn't have that. Miami is an agitating team. They will get under the skin of some of these Lakers players. I'm interested to see sort of how the Lakers respond to some of the matchups that won't favor them. But I still think that AD and LeBron are frankly just so much better than everybody else playing. I got the Lakers in six, but man, Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, the way the Heat have been playing, I do not feel comfortable with the pick, but I'm sticking with where I was. Fair enough. Follow Jason on Twitter at Jason Fitz. Check out his show, Spain and Fitz, weeknights 5 to 7 on ESPN Radio, uh, albeit with the baseball playoffs. It's going to change things a little bit, so you can go online for the uh, correct listings so you can see exactly when uh, he will be up on ESPN Radio. Enjoy the conversation as always. We'll look forward to having you back next week. Can't wait, man. Thanks so much for having me. You got it. From Jason Fitz over to Charlie One, we'll get this traffic update, and then we'll come back. Plenty more of your phone calls, your comments on Twitter, and of course you can chat with us live on our 600 ESPN El Paso app. But first, here's Charlie with this traffic update.